I'll take the bullet for the podcast. The podcast can keep going. I'll get canceled. Yeah. It'll be fine. What bullet? And, you know, we're talking about Putin. It's going to be radioactive polonium or, you <laughs> know, right. poisoning what's your this? tea. What's this over here? Oh, some depleted uranium on my porch. Okay. This yeah. Interesting. No, Where did this come no, from? No worries. <laughs> so, how you been? Living and thriving, man. Living and thriving. I see you've got a new mic in front of you. Oh, what's going this on? This bad boy. Yeah, basically, uh, I was in the market for a new mic, one that I thought would fit better with my voice, and then also one I could use not only for podcast stuff, but also for recording my trumpet and other instruments, piano when I'm actually playing on a real acoustic piano. And this is, oh, let's see, I have to look at it. It's the Lewitt LCT 440 Pure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. And how are you liking yeah. it? I actually really love it. Um, it's... It's really good. It's for like a little under $300 or like around 300 bucks. Boy, is it a meaty microphone. It can do a lot. It doesn't peak too easily. It uh, it just has a really warm tone, I think. And it works well for vocals and vocals both singing and spoken. And it works really good for like acoustical instruments as well. And how does my books on tape voice sound? <laughs> so silky smooth as always. <laughs> Ouch, Harry. Hermione grown. <laughs> oh crap! Uh, that's probably uh, that's, uh, <laughs> um, probably wait till a little bit later on the podcast to uh, to break out the PG thirteen uh, Harry Potter excerpts. <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter fan fiction, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's Harry Potter fan fiction podcasts out there that, that oh yeah, dude, Are you go kidding? to weird yeah. places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're doing uh, super well on Patreon too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so I was going to ask you, it sounds like you already have played around with the recording of it uh, on your trumpet and, and have you done piano and stuff? I haven't done piano yet, but I've, I've talked to people and stuff and I've watched stuff on YouTube. You know, you can, there's reviews of freaking everything on YouTube. <laughs> it looks very pro, I'll have to say, you know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it is the 440, pure, oh, 440 pure, I thought it said 440 pro. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. But it's perfectly in tune. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You can't play out of tune with this one, man. This is yeah. 440 down the line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you guys are wondering why uh, suddenly there's a major uptick in, in the audio quality for from Chris, now you uh, know why. Well, I'll, I'll say too, I'll say too, I always thought your voice sounded much better on this podcast than mine. Oh, really? That's yeah. one of the reasons I got this. Yeah, I mean, I think your voice just works really well on that Yeti, and mine works okay. Well, Chris, I have to say there's no microphone <laughs> that can substitute for the dulcet tones of, uh, of yours truly so yeah i know right uh, the, the wand chooses the wizard right <laughs> the wand chooses the wizard mr potter it's not always clear why but i think it is clear that we can expect great things from you before we get into the meat and stuff yeah there's a new segment new segment i want to start and we need a name for this segment because we've brought stuff up that fit into this category before and the name should be something like things i want but i know will never get made because the whole market for this is basically me and maybe schreeder <laughs> like so a max of two <laughs> yeah unfortunately um, i think most of this podcast is spent talking about stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, so basically, so I was writing program notes. I was writing program notes for a concert I was going to play in. So you write a lot, and you're like a professional writer. Your writing gets published in magazines and newspapers and stuff. You you are a published writer. So when, when I'm writing, and I don't know if I'm just a kid or if I'm just a human, but it's so distracting, right? There's so many, I'm on, on my computer, and... Chrome, well, I, I write in Google Docs, so Chrome is right there. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, Twitter is one tab away, right? It's just like, there's so much going on there. And I wish we could go back to the mid 80s when like the Macintosh came out. Because when computers came out, they didn't, or when PCs, when personal computers came out, they called them word processors. And that's what you used it mm. for mainly before the internet, right? In the 80s, you used Macs just to write stuff really like desktop publishing was the big industry that bought the Macintosh and that's, students. That's really what they were called. I did, I had no idea. Not, not officially, but that's what everyone did call yeah. them. Like, yeah, we're processors and we're processing software, you know, like yeah. WordStar was one and Microsoft word was another one that came along. Right. That is so, interesting. so yeah. So, I mean, 
I would kind of love to have one of those old, like the old, the very first one that came out in 1984, the old Macintosh that could do nothing. It was not connected to the internet. I could just write on it. I wish I had that. So I could close my computer and everything, and I could type, I could still type. I don't have to write by hand, because that's one way to do it, I guess. Just write by hand, and you're free from the computer distractions. But anytime I write more than two sentences by hand, my hand gets very tired. <laughs> like it, We don't do that anymore like yeah. we did. And so I wish we could bring back like the Macintosh, or even better yet, my idea is to have have a typewriter, but a digital one with like a little screen or something, or maybe it hooks up to an iPad, but that kind of brings up more problems again, more distractions, but something like that. A typewriter with a built-in little tablet screen in it that all does is word processing. All it does is typing and you know me, I need spell check. So that's all it does. It does nothing more. And then you can just export to Google docs or something like mm. that'd be so great and perfect. And I would love it. And I would, spend good money on this but i don't think i can spend enough to cover the development costs so <laughs> yeah so i mean i think this is a great opportunity to ask our listeners if anyone knows of an app that's like this but so first of all i think this is a problem that all writers in the modern day face right? i mean i think it's a problem that all writers have faced forever distraction but if you yeah. look at how many journalists spend all day tweeting I think I think it's I think the the problem is uh is is manifestly clear. So, yeah, and obviously there are ways to lock down your computer so that, you know, the internet or certain apps are are not I've heard of those, not, yeah. but then those are that's so cumbersome and it's it it requires so much like sandbagging of your computer when you're not writing. Yeah. I wish there was just an app that once you once you like click on the app and it opens up a word processing software it then automatically just shuts down your internet temporarily or something like that. Yeah. You know, or some, some kind of like typewriter mode that you could enter. Like, you know how you go into like dark mode on your computer. It would be nice right. to go into like typewriter mode. You know, that would be a nice, yeah. if someone knows of anything like that, it would save a lot of us a lot of time because I mean, I, I have no solution. I'm no better than you. I'm, I write two sentences and I think, you know what? It would be, I haven't checked Twitter in about 90 seconds. Let's go. Yeah, um, right, right. You know, yeah. You, and you, I mean, you always know when I'm in the middle of writing a piece, uh, when, yeah. when, when, my, when my tweets like start skyrocketing. I have noticed that, yeah. <laughs> when Schreeder's tweeting like every 10 minutes, I, I know he's writing something, he's working on some article or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, more accurately, trying, not, trying my best not to work on the article. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so it's funny. Yeah, I agree with you. Like having to do one of these things where you sandbagged your computer, right? I almost feel like that's usually the wrong approach to any problem, right? It's like almost to build something new for the, from the ground up, I just think uh, would be great. I mean, I do have a great a great idea for the sandbagging app, you know, that can just like put your computer in typewriter mode and maybe it only gives like your significant other like the password to do like an emergency turn off in case like you actually have to like reply to an email ASAP. Your yeah. girlfriend or wife can be the judge if, if it's actually urgent enough. <laughs> like, I don't know. But, but, uh, okay, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I already have the perfect name. The app would be like a white background, like a light gray background and like a red cursive H and it would be called Hemingway. Dude. Come dude, on. dude. Come on. Sold? Come sold? on. Are you sold? Totally sold. I'm in, man. I'm in. Just tell me what you need from me. Yeah. Okay. All right. You'll be chief creative consultant yeah. on this Dude. new startup I'm founding. You know, by the end of the night, I'll try to buy the domain. You know, yeah. .io, whatever. This would not be the first domain name we bought on the podcast. <laughs> no. For obvious reasons, I don't think we can. I don't think Hover offers it, but I wish .cuba was <laughs> for Hemingway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be good. Hemingwayapp.cuba. Oh, man. We, we haven't done it yet, but I think on our website, we're going to be adding program notes and stuff like that soon. So in addition yeah. to some other things that we'll be changing and coming to our website, I don't think we're ready to announce that quite yet today, but... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And in our next episode, for sure, we'll, we'll I mean, hopefully for sure. Uh, I don't mean to put us on the spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, we can make yeah. it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, th this is pure motivation now. <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we so, put it out yeah. into the world before we have it ready. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's how we do it here in, in tech, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, we got one billion dollars riding on this. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, no, there will be some exciting changes coming to the website. The podcast is still going to be around, still be the same spot you've been getting it and things. But 
nothing yeah. like that will change. But no enhancements and like it's additions that are going to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So stay tuned for that. And I'm not sure if we want to talk about it. I did watch West Side Story on Disney Plus, Shreder, to reprise our conversation from six months ago. I yeah, think. I think that was um, the Grumpy special, which is... That was the Grumpy special. Um, that was the Grumpy special. Perhaps the most divisive episode that we've done so far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we basically threw an entire industry under the bus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and true, true, true to the name, we we were both very grumpy in that one. So, you know, I yeah. think pe- people who like to hear us that way liked it, and, and people who who are here for the wholesomeness. Were <laughs> oh boy, I, I think they've left a while ago. <laughs> yeah, pop, it's very possible. <laughs> yeah, I heard heard that door close. You know, back episode seventeen. <laughs> um, so later, uh, on, man. Later. Okay, on. so okay. Well, I have to say, I did not watch the whole thing. <laughs> okay, and I made that decision. After I turned it on and realized after 20 seconds, there is no overture. <laughs> oh, dude, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So I, I was like, what? No, what? What? No, what? Okay, so yeah, there's no overture. And the opening shot, well, first it's, it's, it's black. And you hear... And no joke, the camera pans up on a on a dolly, and the opening shot you see is get this, you see like this wrecking ball construction site, you know, rubble everywhere, cement, tractors, all this stuff, right? Fifties era construction site, and then you realize it says something like I forget exactly what it says, but there's a sign that says like under construction, coming soon, Lincoln Center. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> and that's when it lost me. <laughs> Like I, I can't. Is... I, I, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't do this. And like I have two hours and forty five minutes left of this shit. Wait. So what do they do instead of the overture? What's the first number? It's the um, the opening dance sequence. So, so it just gets right? into yeah. it. There's no. It doesn't acknowledge it. it there's no shortened overture. There's nothing. There's in place no overture. They just they just skips it. Why do you think that is? But besides the fact that they have no respect for the source material. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is obvious, and and we talked about that. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> You of all people, I didn't think would be asking me this question, Shreer. Maybe it's because they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. So, no, I, I think it's kind of obvious, actually. This isn't the era of the Hollywood musical anymore, unfortunately. And it's one of the greatest overtures ever. Yeah, like, yeah. Opera overtures, musical overtures, film overtures. It is like one of the overtures. Visually, I just love that open, like all the lines that the colors change, but the lines are there and you can't figure out what they are until it morphs into the Manhattan skyline. And that's the opening shot of the film. It's like, yeah. I just love that so much. And it, it just added to what we were saying last time. It's made by a bunch of people who didn't understand West Side Story. Right. Yeah. Or don't, don't really have a respect for what it was trying to do anymore, because I think it's, it's become passe in the culture. Yeah. I think they're, they're trying to do something that is separate from the, from the genre of the, of the musical, right? Of, of the movie yeah. musical. I'm reading this, or I'm actually, I'm listening to um, an audiobook of um, a series of essays by, by the fiction writer, uh, Neil Gaiman. I don't know if you know him. Oh yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, nice. yeah. It's, I think it's called the, the View from the Cheap Sheets or something like that. Sorry, I, I think it's called uh, The View from the Cheap Seats or something yeah, like I, that. Yeah, I'm going to read the one you said first, though. Yeah. <laughs> the View from the Cheap Sheets. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, I, I, I could write that one, yeah. <laughs> hey uh, Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> but in, in, that, in that book, there was um, 
an essay about about genre and he was actually talking because he's kind of a genre writer like in, sure. in the genre okay. of horror and stuff like that and sci-fi yeah, yeah. and he, he actually mentioned musicals oh there um, you go there and, you and go. I thought he had a very interesting definition of genre that I hadn't encountered before which is that it, mm. it is a set of things that if a viewer or a reader goes into into a piece that is in the genre if they don't hear or read that thing or see that thing uh, they feel cheated right mm. you know in the case of the musical i mean it's you know it exists the the plot and the whole structure exists to support you know the the musical numbers and and the actual music and um and even the overture right like the overture is a very yeah. integral part of that and and i think um yeah. i think it, it shows like a a very it it shows like a really fundamental blindsidedness of of who of like the team involved in making this that they yeah. that they felt that the audience wouldn't feel cheated if they went to this thing and didn't get an overture out of it you know yeah yeah and of course so i was watching through it i watched like half hour there skip forward for a bit watch half hour there like anything that involved acting i was like yeah this is a joke um um with ansel elgort who wrote our favorite song thief <laughs> we'll have to put it back in here but yeah, yeah, yeah we gotta this, revise is, it, yeah. this is the guy <laughs> this right here ladies and gentlemen this is west side stories tony So hollow, like my rib cage, the echoes follow. Follow me like the fears I swallow and drown in all my mistakes. I don't know why he didn't sing this to Maria, right? <laughs> yeah. They should have made they should have made Thief the overture. <laughs> oh boy. So no, so I, I like skip part I skipped through parts of it and stuff. Um like the I, I went to some of the big scenes, the rumble, the the dance at the gym, you know, like all, you know, the, the stuff that really are like the meat and potatoes from like the, the content part of the, of the musical. And you'll have to send me this again because you posted something on Twitter, um, a little while ago and don't take this the wrong way. This is, this might be the best thing you've shared on Twitter in a very long time. <laughs> like, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. No, this was that article that, that, that someone wrote basically detailing how CGI is, it will sound lame, but how CGI has ruined films for this era. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And it was, but it wasn't like a article complaining about it. It was an article explaining how, like how film has gone through waves of things. Like there was a, I mean, the era of West Side Story, right? The 50s and early 60s were like the era of the Hollywood musical. Then came the era of the Hollywood drama, like The Godfather and stuff. And Paramount was leading a lot of that movement. And then came the Hollywood blockbuster that Universal was leading, right? With Spielberg, <laughs> speaking of West Side Story. Um, <laughs> right, so no, there's always been these eras of, of film as there are eras in any art, right? And we're right in the middle of an era that more or less started with James Cameron's Avatar, right? Where mm. you, you can make a whole film basically just using CGI, right? And yeah. it was not an article complaining about it, even though it was like it voiced a lot of the problems. It gave like really concrete examples, like comparing the sand in the movie Dune to the sand in the movie Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> like the actual or the w- shadows. Or the wind. Yeah. yeah, or the shadows. The way right? the shadows and, are transparent as they would be in real life in Lawrence of Arabia because they were actually there in the desert shooting right, as opposed right. to and in dune where it looks like a video game right right and so it, it's a really really well written article kind of trying to predict in 50 years how people will be thinking about this era of film right now the same way we think of the mgm musical of the 50s like singing in the rain right and basically like the whole dune example i that just was like perfect for west side story because weirdly the the classic west side story of what was it 62 or 63 th- that came out it looks more real. It feels more real, even though it's not, you know, even though it's, uh, <laughs> and there's even better, more dancing and singing. in it. it's again, not like a realistic life of, you know, the slums of New York back then, but it feels more tangible. It even feels more gritty. I'll use that word. It feels more gritty, even though explicitly that's what the makers of this West Side Story were trying to do was to make West Side Story grittier and more real. And, one of the great ironies, right? The more authentic you try to make something, the more artificial it will always become. Yeah. <laughs> right? And this just kind of reeked of that. And 
Yeah. And it sucked. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, so real quick, I mean, that, that piece, by the way, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's the, the writer, his name is Eric Cole. He's a neuroscientist and essayist. Um, okay. and he, he has a substack called The Intrinsic Perspective, which is my favorite substack that's being written okay. right now. It's, it's, I think he's, he's wonderful. I'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's free. Everyone should go subscribe. I um, should. I ha- have yeah. to subscribe to that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that thing he wrote, that was one of the best takes, one of the best things written about like film or art in general I've read yeah. on the internet in a very long time. It was yeah, just yeah. really well written and just really fascinating yeah same, same here and i remember when i tweeted about it I, I tweeted something like you know this, this doesn't happen very often but this is one of those pieces where i read it and i thought i wish the universe had conspired so that i could have been the one to write this yeah, i rarely think <laughs> that you know but i was just i was mad at him because uh that was just a damn good piece yeah but, right but no <laughs> we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes you, and, and you must have the hemingway app i think yeah yeah and yeah with West Side Story. I mean, it also like did terrible at the box office. It was officially a flop. They lost yep. money on the film. Um, part of that was like the holiday Omicron surge and stuff. Was that that? I, I've lost track of the variants. I think. Yeah. yeah. We're about to get into like the fraternity row, like Delta Gamma. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I want the Moo 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 variant. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the greatest Greek letter is Moo, of course. I mean. <laughs> I, I can't I can't wait till the uh, till the tri-delt variant comes out. You know that that's just chlamydia. <laughs> I really hope they're having these like discussions at the CDC. There's like a task force that is in charge of naming these variants. And... Uh, it's good. No, but um, um, but you know it, yeah. it was a flop. It was a flop in the box office. But also more than that, it was it was panned by critics and it was, it, um, the sentiment on Twitter seemed to be very. Um, negative towards it as well. So um, a, a lot of the people who were kind of very excited for it and, and um, some of whom we heard from, you know, they seem disappointed by it as well. So um, I'm not unhappy about that, I have to say. Yeah. And and for the record, I don't like dislike Spielberg. No, I, I adore Spielberg in so many ways. Yeah. Like what he's done for film music throughout his career, how much he's, I mean, he's the one who gave John Williams his runway to become and blossom uh, to blossom and become the composer he is now and such i uh, know and you know yeah he's he's a great force i think in not just the film world in the artistic community of this country and stuff and he's made good like recent modern films i thought ready player one was great and a lot of fun bridge of spies a few years ago was fantastic i i thought that was a great film yeah. so it's not it's not against i mean well it is against he's the one who made this so yeah he yeah this these remarks are against him but um <laughs> but it's not like I don't like Spielberg or I'm one of those, oh, he ruined cinema or great films aren't made anymore because that's not what I feel at all. But this is just one of those cases where I might come across that way. <laughs> no, I mean, it's the nature of being as prolific and as wide-ranging as he is, right? Hmm. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's, that's, both, that's both his strength well, and his This was his first musical, so. Yeah. <laughs> so... It, it's, it's never about the artist. It's, all, it's always about the, the work, right? We, yeah. You know, and, and the work, I haven't seen it, but it, it looks like a flop. Everyone that I've heard says it's a flop, and, and now you're, you're vouching for it too, so, or you're, you're vouching for the fact that it's a flop. So. Right, right. Um, so wait, so, so how far did you make it? Uh, I didn't watch the end. I okay. made it to, um, what's the song we don't like? Like the only bad song in it. The dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-d
the orchestra sounded really good so i'll say that so like the mambo scene they rearranged part of the score um to make it i guess more cinematic but yeah wayne bergeron who's a legendary like la studio trumpet player there's this really cool improvised solo he plays halfway through that's really kind of cool and fun and awesome yeah the music part all sounded great as in like the (laughs) as in the musicians the actors (laughs) um (laughs) So the guy, I forget his name, the guy who played, who, who's his name? Uh, the leader of the Jets. It's not Tony, but the, when you're a Jet, you're a Jet, all the way from your first cigarette. I forget his name. Uh, is it, is it Ice? I, I actually don't no. know the name, so I, I was ho- hoping you would yeah, be able riff, to. Yeah. Riff? Oh, maybe it's Riff. Maybe it's Riff. Riff sounds familiar. Anyway, yeah. the guy anyway. who leads the Jets, yeah. him, he was pretty decent, I'll say. He, he was pretty decent. And the girl who plays Maria was also decent. Decent. But she was okay. She was more than good enough, I'll say, for like this. Everyone else I thought was garbage. I thought, um, <laughs> sorry, that was really yeah. strong. But like, no. like Ansel Elgort, um, I mean, after Thief, I was really expecting quite the operatic um, Tony here. And unfortunately, it was... He, he looks the part. He did a good job, I think. But no, his singing was... And I think other people liked it. So maybe I'm like missing something or something, but to my ears at least, and what I like, he just missed the mark every time he opened his mouth. (laughs) Um, You know, I think he belonged on the Upper West Side story. (laughs) Hedge funds versus the trust funds. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to take the cake for corny jokes on this podcast. There you go. You know, we used to dub all the time back in musicals. We dubbed Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. You know, yeah. and she was a good singer. She was actually a very good singer. And same in Singing in the Rain. I believe all those actors were dubbed. Uh, you know, the whole movie was just very subpar in every sense. It, it was subpar. That's all it was. Yeah. It was very forgettable. No one's going to talk about it in five years or 10 years. Um, yeah. It's kind of what I so. suspected. I will so. say, you know, people still dub in Bollywood and say what you will about Bollywood. <laughs> Say, say what you will about Bollywood, and I say a lot of things about it, but uh, but they certainly know how to do a musical. <laughs> so. Fair enough. So, anyways, right. um, you know, this has been depressing and sad enough. So let's go and let's talk about Ukraine. So, Streeter, I'm not sure if you've seen the news, but stuff has been happening over the past few weeks. Yeah. Big stuff. Yeah. Like what? The Reese's bar was recalled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the Cybertruck was delayed. Now, did, did either of those things have anything to do with Putin's invasion of Ukraine or no? <laughs> The whole world is connected. That's what we've learned, you know, over the pandemic. Supply chain this, you know, you know, backlog that. Like, yeah, yeah. the world is interconnected. So anyways, of course, yeah, this is not a political podcast, although Street and I are, as any any creative person has opinions, we have opinions. <laughs> but, but it is, uh, yeah, we're not, you know, here to talk all about politics and opinions and provide any insightful analysis because I doubt we can provide any. <laughs> Yeah, but, certainly not better than any other political podcast that you might listen to. Yeah, totally, totally. So, but of course, you know, Russia and Ukraine have been in the news. You actually had, had this idea, so I, I'll, I'll let you tee it up. This Russian invasion of Ukraine, I think, is one of those moments that we don't have many times in our life, right? Maybe mm-hmm. 9-11 was one of them. And before that, maybe the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, mm. Vietnam. You know, like it's it's rare that we get stuff like this. So I think it would be foolish to to categorize this as sort of merely politics. I think this is historical, you know, and yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is a, a global event. And, and I think music is playing a very interesting role in all of this. And it's being, mm. the, the world of music is being affected in, in an interesting way. More to the point, I mean, as I'm sure you know, as you, you see me on Twitter, my mind has been little <laughs> occupied by anything else. You've been um, tweeting a lot, yeah. Yeah, I've been tweeting a lot about Russia. I've been writing about it. This invasion has just kind of captured me, and it has broken my brain in some ways because I didn't think that Putin 
would be allowed to do this yet again, you know, after mm. after Chechnya and Syria. So, so you know, here we are. And just to sort of ease into it, what are your thoughts on on it generally, or yeah. mu- or musically? Like, what what do, what do you think? Sure. What, what have you been sure. thinking about? We haven't really. I think actually the last time we talked. So we're t- we're recording this about a month. I think it's it's a month and a day after the beginning of the invasion, mm-hmm. and the last time that we talked because it's been a busy month. Yeah, um, it has, yeah. For both of us. Um, Sorry, everyone. It, it, it's been nuts. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> last time we talked, well, like video, we text all the time, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but last time we had a conversation like this, yeah, this was pre-invasion. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, I think we both thought the same thing. Like, yeah, Putin is many things, but we didn't think he was stupid. <laughs> and I guess history will tell or we'll find out soon, right? You know, uh, but... Now NATO has a reason more than it ever has to exist. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, okay, yeah, we said we, we, we wouldn't go down the whole, like, pure politics route. But yeah, so here's the thing that I saw that kind of bothered me at first. A lot of people were trying to cancel, like, Russian everything, including, like, Russian music, like Tchaikovsky, Russian soloists, Russian artists, Russian musicians, recordings, all this stuff. And I do want to go on the record with saying, like, we should be careful not to just cancel someone because like, even forget the dead people, you know, Tchaikovsky, which I think it's ridiculous to cancel Tchaikovsky. Like most Russians hated Tchaikovsky <laughs> in his time, right? He was yeah. homosexual guy and he died a very mysterious death. We still aren't totally clear why he died the weird way he did. You know, I always think art has a life of its own. That's why we love art and music and film and stuff. I think the artist is no longer relevant often when the, when the work is created, it, it now belongs to the viewers or the listeners or the consumers, right? That is that like, um, like I've always thought books belong to their readers, Mm. right? And the meaning you derive from any particular book is just as important and relevant and valid as any meaning the author gave to it. Right. And I think the same is with music. So for that reason, yeah, I don't support (laughs) the canceling of Prokofiev and Stravinsky and stuff. Um, all of which I'm shocked Putin likes. Like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> they represented everything you don't, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't think that Putin necessarily likes them, you know. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, yeah, I was just he, assuming. He's, he's never been on the record as as being um, a particular lover of of these composers, as far as I know. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe, any... maybe Tchaikovsky, but... I always thought that should be a red flag. It's like, you know... A German president that really, really hates Beethoven. Like everything he wrote was was bad, and Bach was garbage. And um, you know, for, Putin for... loves Wagner. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh man, he has a really, very weird taste of like these late '30s German films that yeah, yeah. <laughs> were very like very provocative, and they weren't good, but they man, they really painted a message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Joking aside, we should not maybe outright automatically by default cancel any Russian artists because they're Russian and they haven't explicitly spoken out against the actions of their government. Just because it's easy for us in America to to do that, right? But in Russia, it's illegal. (laughs) It's punishable by prison and probably worse. And, you know, your family, everyone, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's a it's a fascist state essentially um, it is now it is it, it is now yeah yeah it, it there's is. officially it, no no more free press allowed yeah. in in russia but but yeah so it's it's tough for a say a russian pianist to speak out against the war when it's when they can go to jail for doing that right yeah so just want to throw that out there you know there are russian artists that probably do deserve that though and we may talk about some of them that are very you know they're basically part of the russian government and are pals you know on the yachts with all, all, the, all the big all the big boys in the kremlin um <laughs> yeah I, I sorry i just wanted to get that out there you know you should be no. before people jump to just cancel mitrioska dolls and stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think you're totally right and i think that's worth saying at the top of the program as it were <laughs> 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 no i i think i think it's worth leading with that to, to say that they yeah, like right. i mean christ there's enough philistinism and mediocrity and just general stupidity around for miles right much of it peddled by vladimir putin himself so mm-hmm. so let's not fall into his his traps you know if nothing else to deprogram or to disinvite 
uh, Russian composers or Russian musicians from your festivals or your concert series, um, it plays into Vladimir Putin's narrative, right? Yeah. Just yeah, to, just does, today yeah. he he or today or yesterday I forget exactly how it works with Russian time um, <laughs> compared to our time because we're recording this past midnight right now. But Putin yeah. released a deranged video where where he was he was saying that the world was trying to cancel Russia. So mm, I mm. think I think actually disinviting Russian musicians and de- deprogramming Russian pieces, I think actually plays into his strength. It plays into his his deranged narrative that he has of, of Russia being persecuted as they are being, yeah, you know, yeah, aggressors, aggressors in the world. So sorry, if I yeah. may real quick, no, yeah, if you really want to piss off Putin, program an entire Russian month. Of exactly. music for for your orchestra, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. have like a whole Russian everything, yeah. He he's not working in the interest of Russian culture, uh, Putin. I mean, he Putin is yeah, not right. working in the interest of Russian culture or the Russian people. So to work with him to to silence that is, I think, uh, is a real shame. Uh, like I've, I've heard people say that this is cancel culture and stuff, and I get where they're coming from, but. You know, th- th- there's a long tr- tradition for this kind of thought, right? With the way that we treated Japanese people after Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. the way that we we treated uh, Muslims and and even Sikhs who are not even Muslim, they they just wear turbans after 9/11. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's worth leading with that and saying, yeah, that we should not direct any sort of hatred or animosity towards Russian civilians or Russian musicians or Russian composers or music or anything like that or, or culture. In, in fact, those are the things that will be uh, dying if Putin is allowed yeah. to stay in, in power. That being said... <laughs> so, right, showtime. Overture that yeah. Western Story didn't have, we yeah. just did. It's it <laughs> it it over and the show begins. I would like to, to look at three examples of okay. musicians and oh, okay. uh, and just sort of use them as case studies for how we look at the politics of music. Let's do it. Okay, yeah, I'm so down. So the first one is Alexander Malofiev. I, ho- I hope I'm saying that correctly. Wait, um, he's like a kid. Right? He's a kid. He's like 20. Blonde-haired maybe. kid? Yeah. yeah who, who plays the piano, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, he's fantastic. He's great. He's, yeah. he's wonderful, yeah. He's 20, maybe 21, something like that. He, yeah. he, okay. I still think he's like 10. He's not yeah. 10 anymore, but he was 10, 10 years ago. But yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he certainly has no right to be playing as brilliantly as he does at his age. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> he's one of those people that you look at and you're like, God, uh, it's just annoying that you're that good. He is unaffiliated, as far as I know, with the Russian state. He was set to play a series of concerts at the Montreal Symphony, I believe, okay. um, with Michael Tilson Thomas, and they were canceled. Um, and, and I believe some of his other concerts were canceled as well. And he has spoken overtly about about his uh, denunciation of, of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Okay, okay. Right, so this is a case that is, to me, absolutely clear-cut that this is, this is just Russophobia versus Philistinism, right? Mm. This is just straight-up wrong. This is a yeah, case where, yeah. where this poor kid is losing work for absolutely no reason other than something yeah. like the ick factor which i don't think is that shouldn't yeah. be it's, it's not it's, if we stand for freedom and democracy then then these principles aren't worth the paper that it's printed on for if, if we treat him like the way that we have right yeah oh wow i was not aware okay now that you're saying i mean there were so many headlines in the course of like 12 hours so i lost track of a few things maybe but yeah now that you're saying this is does sound a little familiar because i yeah. remember michael Tyson thomas because he, he's traveling a lot more now. Now that he's not, he's like the visiting guest conductor now for the San Francisco Symphony. But it's not, it's not his full-time gig anymore as the music director because mm-hmm. he retired from that. So he's been traveling a lot. He's been traveling a lot more. And yeah, I want to say this Montreal thing with him sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Canada, I, I, I mean, I love you so much, Canada. But really, everyone was doing stuff like this. So it's not, it's not a particular yeah. blame on the Montreal Symphony. I mean, I think actually, they said and. And I believe them. I, I I actually do believe them. They they said that this was for his own protection, um, that oh, that they didn't that they didn't want to invite this kid over to play and and then have there be you know protests in the street because or in the concert hall because he happens yeah. to be Russian and blah blah blah. If the yeah. people are going to protest, we should we should say no. Yeah. This is a concert that, that's worth programming and and, and it's worth um, sticking up for this for this young man. Yeah, um, that is insane. Yeah, no, he's. He's so great too. That's the yeah. thing. He's he's one of, he's already one of the pianists of his generation. Like he's just conquering <laughs> the world and like yeah. 
No, he, he's utterly fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh man. And it's it's it shows a kind of lack of backbone that that arts organizations have been having. He has said publicly that he denounces this invasion. That counts for a lot. So yeah, this is right. not this. He's not just a young and brilliant musician. He he's a young and brilliant and 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 a very brave musician. And yeah, a criminal in his own yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Na- now yeah. a criminal in his own fascist country. Let's go to the other extreme. Okay. All right. Let's here we it. have here we have someone who I'm I'm maybe getting in a little bit of trouble here. Um, we have someone who's very very famous. His name is Valery Gergiev. My boy, my boy. Every, everybody probably knows him who's listening. If not, um, yeah. he is a Russian conductor. Um, he is the director of the Marinsky Theater. Mm-hmm. Which is in St. Petersburg, in right? In St. Petersburg, yeah, I believe, the big, yeah. The, the big gig in that town. Yeah. yeah. He used to be the director of the London Philharmonic until... Yep, I the think London 20, Symphony. Sorry, the, the London Symphony yeah, un- yeah, until about yeah. maybe 2015, 16-ish. Yeah, and since then, right. he has been he has been the director of the Munich Philharmonic. He's probably yeah. one of the biggest conductors in the world, and he's certainly the biggest Russian conductor in the world. Yeah, no, he's on the highest stage you can get to. I mean, that's just yeah, he's yeah, he, he's he, at the he, top. he is affiliated with every major orchestra in the in the world. So when the when the invasion first started about a month ago, um, as we we're recording this, he was set to do a series of concerts in Carnegie Hall with the Vienna Philharmonic, and those were canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least they yes. were they were replaced. I, I, I do remember seeing that. Yeah. Yes, and since then the the Munich Philharmonic has said if you don't come out and denounce the invasion, then then we'll have no choice but to fire you. And he has said nothing, and they have fired him, <laughs> as far as I know. And um, man, these German orchestras don't mess around, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really don't. And and you know, they don't have much room to mess around. I have to say. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. Yeah. But. But yeah, no props. I mean, people that in this artistic world and in this time, I guess, people that say something and then follow through, even though it hurts them financially, obviously. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, they didn't like draft a statement for him, right? <laughs> or it's like, yeah, you know, he has no comment on the matter, right? It's, I really respect them for that because I've thought now for a while that Gergiev has no place on the international scene. Look, Gergiev is someone also on the other end of the spectrum from Alexander Malafiev. Um, yeah. Gergiev is someone who's a, he's basically a, an oligarch. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a de facto propagandist for Putin. Yeah. He mm-hmm. is someone who has had ties with Putin. And back in the day, in the 1990s, you know, Putin is, is on record as saying, you know, such, such praise uh, to Gergiev as, uh, you know, at some point, at some point, Vladimir Putin will die, but Valery mm-hmm. Gergiev will live on. <laughs> and, and if you look at these pictures in the 1990s before Putin took on the presidency, you know, it, it, it is actually Putin who looks upon Gergiev with admiration and, and, mm. and awe. And Gergiev is someone who has entirely and, and openly embraced Putin and his strongman values. Um, he has recorded advertisements saying, saying that um, he feels much better with his Russian passport now that Putin is, is president because now the entire world fears him in a way that they haven't before. He's someone mm. who has endorsed the annexation of Crimea. He's constantly taking these sort of photo ops with Putin and with yeah. Russian admirals and generals. And, and I think most criminally, he has given two concerts, at least, uh, if not more, that, that, were, that were in sort of naked propaganda concerts where um, mm. in, in South Ossetia, where, where there was, there was a, a brutal war between um, Georgian forces and Russian forces. And, you know, as, as Putin had, had put in Russian forces to destroy this region, you know, several kilometers away, there was ethnic cleansing happening. Gergiev was on the scene in South Ossetia to give this concert for Putin and sort of launder his reputation through right. music. And he did the same thing in Palmyra with, uh, with, with the Syrian civil war, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I uh, remember that, yeah. You know, I think that there's a there's a very naive thing that mus- that musicians like to think that music is apolitical, but mm-hmm. but music can be very it can be a very powerful propaganda tool, yeah. and and someone like Valery Gergiev is uh, you know to have an international 
very famous and very well respected and quite frankly very good conductor yeah uh, sure sure at, his at recordings your, are yeah, great he's I mean, brilliant yeah, yeah no yeah. Uh, but to have him at your fingertips to say like oh we, you know we just ravaged a region in georgia and we want to sort of paint this in a less uh destructive light for the western media why don't you come in and give a concert here and say that this is a concert for peace yeah, right, right. This, this right. is musical reputation laundering. And if you go to the articles on The Guardian and places like that, they have bought it, hook, line, and sinker, right? Yeah. They, they yeah. say Gergia performs at concert in South Ossetia amidst the ruins, right? Uh, praying for peace. What they don't say is Gergiev is bankrolled by Vladimir Putin yeah. to, to give a concert on the ruins that he created. So what's funny, too, is um, Gergiev, he's, uh, he's always been, and pictures prove it. No, he's a really, really diehard Chelsea fan. <laughs> <laughs> when he was in London and stuff. And Dude, was I didn't know that, but that's hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like this video of like the day in the life of Gergiev, the conductor of the London Symphony Orchestra. And he like gets off his like town car and stuff and like grabs the newspaper as he's walking to rehearsal. He's like, Oh, the Chelsea game. Okay, yeah, let's see how, how they do and and yeah, so he's um I think he's I think he's been on a few yachts. <laughs> let's just, let's just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely been on some of the yachts that have been uh, repositioned <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in the past few years. We, we, we should say for people who don't know that Chelsea is owned by Roman Abramovich, right? Yeah, um, yes, who, who's, yep. who's one of the people who's um, in trouble right now with uh, yeah. with the whole Russian uh, oligarch. Yeah. Dude, and he was like, <laughs> he would famously like arrive at the game well before the game started, but when teams are warming up, he would land his helicopter right in the middle of the field and no. like, get off and wave. <laughs> Like, Seriously? <laughs> yeah. He was, he was famous for it. <laughs> and then he'd go up to his, his box suite and watch the game. Yeah. Um, where Gergiev was waiting for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, I mean, I'll just say he's a great conductor. Um, he His recordings, like that recording, that YouTube video of him conducting Scheherazade with the Vienna Philharmonic is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, it's not like an artistic comment we're making. So, this will actually transition into my middle person. There's a sort of naivete in, mu- in music circles where people just wish that music were entirely apolitical or that mm. musicians politics don't matter and yeah. i'm inclined to say that that's that's mostly true for most of the time okay but yeah. there, there's certain things like like this like invasions and uh <laughs> unilateral war where i think it's worth having an opinion about them and it's worth having an opinion on the people who facilitate them mm-hmm. right yeah music doesn't exist in a vacuum Right, right, right. Yeah, and I think art does not. Exa- I mean, we can pull it yeah. out even further, right? Art, art has intentionally, but more often unintentionally, been some of the most political, like stuff. Uh, Picasso's Guernica, right? Yeah, you can look some of the most famous painting, right? That are were very political for a very. I mean, in that case, for a very particular reason, right? Right. Um, he painted it to show the horrors of, of war, right? Yeah. And it. And I believe that's the painting that hangs up in the UN. I believe. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's a replica of it. It's at the Prado in in Madrid. There's a replica of it in in the UN. Also, fun fact. Um, uh, I, I know we said we want to get too political, but I, I ha- have to say this. No, no I do here. love when <laughs> Bush, Cheney, let's say you know the administration of the early 2000s of the United States when they went to go sell that war in Iraq, um, they covered up that painting. When Colin Powell presented t- to the United Nations, yeah, they covered up that painting. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah it's a, art because art can be dangerous, right? That's art the thing. is dangerous. Art, art, is art can change things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we don't mean that in a you know woohoo you know power of artists. Let's you know dream roll. No, we mean that in a very like fabricated way. <laughs> yeah. So let's move into someone who's who's in between. Okay. All um, right. I'm curious who you're going to pick for this. Actually, the middle person is Anna Netrebko. She's a soprano or Yeah, she... I think she's a yeah. soprano. So tell me about her. So Anna Netrebko. First of all, I believe her career was more or less made by Valery Gergiev. Yeah. You know, he's what the let's call him the Weinstein of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> of <it's>... Russia. <laughs> <laughs> he's made many careers and made a few other things too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, that would not be entirely unfair. So she she is someone who I sympathize with her because she strikes me as someone who is fundamentally a good person, hmm. but perhaps a bit naive. Okay. She's someone who has, in the past, worshipped 
Putin, and and she has in 2014 supported the the war in the in the Donbas region and in, in Ukraine, the, the the sort of aggression that that Russia has has perpetrated, and she she's a supporter historically. Um, I don't know if she is anymore, but she has supported the annexation of Crimea. Okay, interesting. Um, and and she has um, given a large amount of money to the to the Donetsk Opera and Ballet Theater. Though she has given money, she has said that that doesn't reflect any sort of political ambition on her behalf. And and she's she's done like photo ops, right, with with okay. um, with the director of the of the Donetsk Opera and Ballet Theater, uh, where, where she's waving the flag of Novorossiya. Okay. Um, it, it's it's a new the new Russia that 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 involves um, Donetsk and Luhansk, and I think if they had their way, it would involve the rest of Ukraine as well. I see. Um, I see. So, she's, so she has so she's done photo ops wave, waving this flag, but I I get the sense that she's a fundamentally good person who has no sense of the political implications of her. <laughs> of her uh, she's, she's, I don't know. She just uh, she's yeah. She's There's always like, that oh, character yeah. in all, all the classics, right? It's um. The poor oblivious brother that just doesn't yeah. get what's going on above him. But it's yeah, she's like, like, I, like yeah. I, I like music. I like music. They like music. We yeah. we all like music, right? I'm just here to sing. Yeah, and, yeah, I see. And you know, I actually genuinely believe her. Okay, okay. Because, for example, with Gergiev, the Munich Philharmonic said you have three days to denounce <laughs> Putin's invasion of Ukraine, or you don't have a job. Yeah, here yeah. <laughs> and um, that this would not have been difficult for him because he is very wealthy, he's very successful yeah. internationally. So even if he lost his Russian gigs, yeah, um, he would have been able to, yeah, be fine. He, so, he, he might have been embraced. I mean, you know, yeah, like, he he yeah. absolutely would have been, and and so he said nothing. Yeah, this is a silence that speaks volumes. Yeah, Anna Trepko, on the other hand, she she was posting on Instagram about how she denounces this invasion and how. She she views this as an abomination, and she doesn't support it at all. And she was canceled. She was sort of self like she sort of retired on her own steam. She sort of said like okay. this is. She basically said like I don't want to be involved in this stuff right now, and okay. I'm just basically going to take a break from performing. But I think the pr- the, the pressure that was mm. um, put on her is of a more dubious character. I get it. I, I totally I get it I because it, it's kind of like having an employee that is kind of pro-white supremacist oh, but isn't really and they're not really white supremacists like they have like they're clearly not actually racist but they just have have been taken in by some of that kind of propaganda especially if they're like from that kind of country and it's kind of like you're not a bad person you're just you're just politics isn't your thing and yeah you, you, you just, just don't kinda, get it yeah, yeah. it's fine like you know. and and i that's really where the tough thing is. I'm curious what you think about that. You know, I maybe it's part of my personality. I still just give people benefit of the doubt. And again, you know, for her to speak out against Russia, again, you can go to jail for that now. Yeah. So it's so I can't fault anyone for not doing that. I totally applaud the people that do. I mean, because that that is real courage, right? That, yeah. That's like, yeah. Who, who knows what the penalty actually is for that? It's probably a, a, a little bit worse than some jail time. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, it's so, three to fifteen years now. We know it's three to fifteen years. Okay, the last day of year fourteen. Uh, too bad. Uh, we, too, too bad you had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. If you know what I mean, you know. No, I, I think you're totally right. And and I was I, I meant to say this earlier, but I don't think it's fair to expect. Russian musicians to pass some sort of purity test because yeah. I mean look if you have a family that's depending on you as a musician to pay the bills of course it would be extraordinarily brave of you to speak out against Putin's invasion yeah but it yeah. wouldn't it would not be cowardly of you to refrain from doing so yeah which is again a, a major difference between Valery Gergiev and and some, and some lower people where um Gergiev could stand to entirely demolish his ties with Russian music and actually maybe his career would grow. Um, but, he, but he chooses yeah. not to do that. Whereas someone like Alexander Malifiev, I think it's very brave of him to to denounce yeah. Russia. He's a kid, too. He's, I mean, he's, 20, I mean, he's 20, I guess. He's but 20. No, dude, the, no. The, that's still Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a kid. He's, he's a kid. kid. He was he's not alive for 9-11. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, right. Dude, so what I'm doing after this, I'm going to listen to all this shit on constant play on like Spotify to like give them all like you know Hell 17 yeah, yeah. cents he'll get just have but, like, it going on your house on repeat yeah just get him all the world yeah no he he should be 
promoted, embraced, celebrated. Yeah. Um, damn. Yeah. Something has to be done to 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 encourage the kind of behavior that that Malafia yep. has done. Because I mean, look. I mean, mm. the, the, I, I, are you familiar with um, Sergey Karyakin? Oh yeah, I yeah. am. I am. He, he's he, a he's a chess player. Yeah. Um, he's youngish. I think he's in his thirties, um, which is maybe a bit old for chess. But <laughs> but he has um, he has gone all in for Putin's invasion. Interesting. Oh, I you didn't know. know that actually. Yeah. Okay. And and he's another interesting case because Karyakin he has nothing to gain from Putin, but he just has despicable politics. <laughs> he seems to he seems to revel in in this Ukrainian invasion. He seems to have bought into the whole denazification oh, propaganda interesting. and all interesting. That stuff. And to me, that that is kind of like um, hiring someone who's a Nazi. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, right. Is that is that technically covered within free speech? Yes. Do you need to do that? No. <laughs> yeah right right i think like being an asshole is yeah, is reason is, enough not to hire re- someone yeah <laughs> i know this is a little off topic but yeah the other like i mean the other big russian chess players right now like daniel dubov and nepo and stuff like do you know if, if they have if they come out like i'm curious bringing chess into it i mean we did say in our episode the king's gambit <laughs> all the parallels between chess and music but in that country the chess world operates very similarly to the music world so yeah, do, do you know anything? If you don't, that's fine. I was just kind of I don't, I don't. I do know okay. that, that Gary Kasparov... Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I've followed him for years. Yeah. yeah, he he has been... He predictably is on the right side of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, he has been very anti-Putin for a very long... Yeah. For, for a very long time. Um, yeah, very long. He's made documentaries, anti-Putin documentaries, yeah. And for anyone who's yeah. listening, I, I think, you know, he's worth following on Twitter and... and, and he's fantastic. And, yeah. Um, Even if you're not into chess, no, he's 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 retired from chess. I mean, yeah, professional chess playing. He's the former grandmaster and world champion. Um, for those who don't know, he has been very vocally anti-Putin and pro the intervention of NATO forces and 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 you and the UN as well. I think he's very right on that. But that's again in the realm of straight up politics, which yeah, you know, you can go. There's to many other... podcasts that do a much better job than we could ever do. Yeah. On, on that one. So yeah, you know, I always thought it's important to draw the distinction between a state and a state's people right and it's easy to not do that right uh i remember traveling around as an american when you know it came out that we tortured people in the united states right (laughs) you know and i still love and embrace like i mean i don't know about embrace but no i mean well my half my family is russian so uh yeah like i still think russian culture is really fascinating really interesting all the russian literature and art and music and it's interesting, too, because Russian art, political Russian art is not new. <laughs> like, you brought up Shostakovich earlier, who was a composer trying to, like, make his way in the then-Soviet Union without getting killed, <laughs> but write the music he wanted to write, but somehow mask it in a sense that Stalin wouldn't figure it out, <laughs> that he was yeah. actually rebelling against not only, you know, norms of Western music, but very much the state of the Soviet Union. So... Yeah, I encourage people to look at the layers, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And also, uh, so someone whose name I wanted to drop, Anna Fedorova. Anna Fedorova. So she's a Ukrainian pianist, and she's like about my age. I was born in 91. I've like followed her career for a long time because I thought she was really cute when I was in high school and <laughs> followed her. But she's been fascinating because she's played with Concertgebouw, New York Philharmonic. I mean, you name the orchestra. She's like really doing well on the global stage and is a major force yeah there's also she there's that great mass class she did in london with andres schiff not Valery gergiev <laughs> with um, <laughs> with, uh, with the great hungarian pianist andre schiff um yeah the opposite of being like a russian sport yeah i'm sure yeah <laughs> yeah so i think she played one of the middle beethoven sonatas i want to say it was a passionata maybe it's either that or like the tempest there's a few other students who play as well but it's it's a really good it's a really good mass class and um and yeah, there's some great performances of her playing some of the Rachmaninoff piano concertos with the Royal Concertgebouw and such. So she's doing well. But anyway, she's just a Ukrainian pianist that I've just really enjoyed, like following her career as she's progressing her career, right? Mm. And and so I encourage people to support her, listen to her and stuff. I haven't. I, I must confess, I don't remember her being like overtly open about everything going on right now. I'm willing to bet she's she's very. I mean, I think she's spending most of her time making sure her family is alive and that's things a, yeah. and dodging the next round of shelling. Yeah. So maybe that's why she's been kind of quiet. 
there's not that much of a mix amongst Ukrainian morale, you know. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think they're pretty united on yeah. on this one. But dude, I love this. So on your Wikipedia article, background information: born February twenty seventh, nineteen ninety, Kiev, Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic, Soviet Union. Isn't that poetic? That is very poetic. But if yeah, if I could just re-say that one thing, like don't cancel Russian composers, don't cancel yeah. Stravinsky, Shostakovich. Kabaleski, uh, we already said Tchaikovsky. Again, like these, like, I don't know if he said it publicly, but Putin must hate these guys. Yeah. I mean, because they represent everything he does not. So, yeah. Because um, that dude, Schreeder, that's the thing I'm like bracing for. And I, I'm, I don't think we should be surprised if come yeah. December, if this is still going on, there's going to, there's going to be a cancel the nutcracker campaign. Yeah. Yeah. No, for, for sure. For sure. That's going to happen. Yeah. Actually, I think it's good because ballet companies can't cancel the Nutcracker. That's, you know, half of their revenue for the whole season, at least. So they're going to have to craft the narrative around, no, you're wrong. Like, this is... Or they're going to have to come up with something that's actually worth replacing it, which will also be interesting. (laughs) God, Don Quixote, the holiday version. Yeah. I don't get on my soapbox very often, but if I could, don't cancel the Nutcracker. Look at Tchaikovsky and his life and the person he was. He's not this. What is going on in Russia right now? He's He couldn't be further away, really. Yeah. Long yeah, story I short, I think. Yeah, don't be... <laughs> Long don't story be, short, yeah. Don't be an asshole. But don't be an idiot. Don't don't be a moron. Like, music is yeah. not music is not apolitical. We, Correct. we Correct. don't exist in a bubble. Your actions do matter, and so do your thoughts. Musicians do have a responsibility to think... I think, I hope, publicly. <laughs> yeah, if you really want to piss Putin off, play Swan Lake in the Nutcracker as loud as you can in your apartment as you drink Ukrainian vodka.